Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Houston Rombar Review presents Folks Talking Sports. I'm one of the three hosts, Chris Garden of the Houston Round Bar Review. Just got uh, word that one of our one of the trio, Willie Gibson's having some technical difficulties, so he'll join us shortly. Right now, joining me is Andy Yanez, the youngster of the group from the Community Impact newspaper, Paul Samajama. What else you what else you doing, man? Um, you know, you're a man about town covering everything, sports. How are you doing, Can first of all? I'm doing great. Chris, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, in addition to Willie Gibson joining us, we should have a special guest shortly joining us to discuss some big news that Andy and I are going to talk about right off the top. And in about 20, 30 minutes, he's become a regular on the show, James Mueller. Yeah. The uh, sports editor from the Daily Cougar will chime in to talk about this big news as well as touch on recapping UVA's football's win over Rice, big win over Rice and previewing Juventus' uh, Saturday game against Grambling State. But Andy, I let me see. How should I phrase it? So first off, about 5 o'clock, two hours ago, Terrence Arsenault from Beaumont United State Champs announced via social media his college decision. He is going to, do we still say it, continue his uh, education his college education at the University of Houston. He is going to also play basketball for Coach Kelvin Sampson and the Cougs men's basketball program. He is, I think, or just read in the athletic, Houston's highest ranked recruit since 2012. Depending on the recruiting service you use, his stellar summer performances vaulted him up as high as I think 37 spots to anywhere between 30 and 40 in national rankings. Six, 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 seven. Do everything kind of player. He's a combo guard. And I'm going to mention this because before our guest chimes in and then let you have it, give your thoughts. Um, from our guest, forthcoming. I think he's multidimensional player who provides skill, length, and athleticism. I think defensively, he's a difference maker because he can defend multiple positions. That sounds like a Kelvin Sampson kind of player. What are your thoughts yeah. on this big news? Uh, a big hit for Houston. Like I, I didn't know what you just what you just said that it's the highest recruit since 2012, which is obviously um, just a, a big tell of where the program is right now and. Yeah, I think it was Joseph Duarte from the Chronicle that I don't know if he got to speak with him early on or, or something, but he said that one of the factors that played into his decision making was the announcement that Houston had joined the Big 12. So, I mean, already, like, it's barely been a week that Houston is haven't even joined yet. It's just the announcement and it's already paying dividends. But I think uh, when it comes to with Arsenal, it kind of seemed like he was leaning uh, towards picking Houston, at least throughout the summer. And like you mentioned, he was able to put together solid performances this past few months. It's kind of catapulted him up the, the national rankings uh, when it comes to high school players, obviously, when it comes to Houston or Kelvin Sampson specifically. doesn't. He says he doesn't pay too much attention to that, but obviously it's still certainly from a fan base perspective. Uh, that's something that a lot of UH fans are, are excited about just in terms of, like you mentioned, it's one of the highest recruits that they're going to have 
once he does eventually join the program and second four-star recruit of the class, um, you know, right off the bat. Emmanuel Sharp is is the other, and you, and I think Dayon Dunlap uh, spoke with Emmanuel a few, what, almost two months ago now for a Paws and Majama podcast. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I want to pull up this article from uh, written by Brandon Jenkins from 27sports.com, interviewed Terrence Arsenault. I was hoping to have some comments from folks I know in and around the Houston area with their thoughts on what this means for UVH and what, as well as their thoughts on Terrence's skill set tonight or tomorrow. And I'm going to plug real quick. Tomorrow, 9 a.m., I should be doing a live stream with Jim Hicks, Mr. Greater Houston Boys Basketball, High School Basketball, He's been doing this a long time, almost probably as long as you've been alive, Andy. So to get his thoughts on Terrence Arsenault, according to Hicks, uh, rcsports.com rankings, Terrence is the number one ranked player in greater Houston. So Hicks includes Beaumont. Hicks and I are also members of the Guy V. Lewis Award Committee. One of the criteria on the committee is counties touching slash adjacent to Harris County. Beaumont does not fall into that criteria. So as a result of that, Terrence is not eligible for the award. So for any of those people um, hating, because the last few winners, Ramon Walker and Tremont Mark, both winners of the Guyby Lewis Award, both committed to U of H. Terrence Arsenault is a Houston get. But he'll end that streak because he's not eligible for the Guy v. Lewis Award. But some quotes from Terrence Arsenault via Brandon Jenkins at 247.com, 247sports.com. I love the things Coach Sampson told me. He told me he can do a lot of things that can help me get to the league. He said they see me as a type of player who could potentially go one and done. End quote. Wow. So another quote, the staff has always been great to me. Coach Kellen is like an older brother to me. We have a great relationship that's going on for years. The winning culture and the staff getting a few players from the wing to the league recently were things that really stood out to me. I am going to the college as a wing, so I felt that the school was a great fit for me. So you got Emmanuel Sharp, Terrence Arsenault. Next up is five-star big man, Jarris Walker, who is scheduled to have an official visit to U of H sometime next month. Also on his final list of schools is Alabama, Auburn, LSU, and Texas for Jairus Walker. U of H for Terrence Arsenault beat out UNLV, Oklahoma, and Texas A&M. So yes, this is big time get. Andy, I think I mentioned to you in July that uh, all signs pointing to Terrence Arsenal coming to U of H, right? You did. A man, the last week or so, I got alums hit me up on, on phone, messengers. Yo, man, I, 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 I see he's making these visits, man. He, he, he had UNLV. He was there last week, over the weekend. Um, um, Texas A&M was at his house, man. It, it put, I'm, oh, man, I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried. I'm worried, man. I, I made a mistake going to message board. 
I saw that negativity, or as from U of H, you know, as part of the our bloodline, pessimism, got me wavering. I'm like, July, no, July, Terrence is coming to U of H. So yesterday, I reached out to five people I trust, all five. He's going to U of H. I was like, all right, it's good enough for me. So I was just waiting for him to make the announcement today. I thought as a youngster, he was going to have a press conference, you know, be fancy and things like that. Nope. Mm-hmm. I called colleagues in media, local TV stations. Nope. No press conference. So just a question of waiting on when it's going to be. 5 p.m. He put out there on Instagram and Twitter. Committed. 100% committed. To 120%. 120%. Yeah, 100, excuse me. 120% committed to U of H. So I'm happy for him, the Cougs. Kudos to Kelvin, Kel, Kellen Sampson, excuse me, Kellen Sampson, because uh, I think Terrence was his one of his main targets uh, in the recruiting process. And as a quote from Terrence to Brandon Jenkins, Kellen and Terrence known each other for a long time. So I think kudos to Kellen for getting this done. Yeah, I mean, let's just dive into what, we, what you touched on what this means for U of H recruiting in Big 12. Yeah, uh, I think I made this comment a while ago where, honestly, this new Big 12 could, I keep saying arguably, I think it might be, it's going to be up there when it comes to the best basketball conferences in the entire country when you look at top to bottom. Obviously, I mean, they have the reigning defending national champions. They have U of H was in the final four. Um, they have, a, a, when you look from top to bottom, all these schools, the Texas Techs, the TCUs, even the Oklahoma States, like they have a lot of named programs that have been good the last couple of years. And and just immediately off the bat, like I mentioned, where he, he mentions it and Hewitt is only technically and not even technically, but it's announced that they're going to be in the Big 12 for a week. And there's already players explicitly saying that. And then it goes back to, I think, I'm not sure if we brought it up on air or something that Ron Huey told uh, one of the local stations where he said, even he with the UH women's basketball side, he had a couple of people reach out to him who didn't give UH much attention because they weren't a part of one of those power five conferences. Once that announcement came out, that UH was going to be joining the big 12 uh, as soon as possibly 2023. Huey said that he had a couple of players reach out to him again, said, are you guys still interested? And even this uh, this past week during a media availability with uh, football defensive coordinator Doug Belk and a couple of players too, Manny Nunnery, he's one of the linebackers for UH, he, he said the same thing where, especially when it comes to Houston and Texas, uh, when you look at it from a state perspective, it's filled with talent, both in, in basketball and obviously with football in Texas, that's like king here in, in the state of Texas. And, you know, when you look at Houston, they're in a position where obviously one of the biggest cities in the entire country, a lot of homegrown talent that uh, Manny Nunnery said he knows a lot of players that would love to stay local, but Houston not being on a power five conference was a bit of a detriment to them. And now they don't have that going against them anymore. Agreed. And, but however, to that, if the quote from Terrence to Brandon Jenkins is correct, it's accurate, which I don't have reason to doubt. If Terrence is a one and done, Andy, he's a U of H for the 2022-23 season. U of H won't be in the Big 12 
<laughs> you know, yeah. U of H right now is online, you know, in the works to be joining the Big 12 for the 2023-24 season. So if he's one and done, that'll still be part of the American unless something, something <laughs> changes and U of H and the American Athletic Conference reach a negotiation and on the buyout and more money spent for U of H to leave after this year. I don't think BYU is, is leaving the West Coast Conference after this year. At Cincinnati's press conference, it had been, it was discussed. Possibility, let's put it out there. I think UCF, U of H, and Cincinnati may look at it, the possibilities of leaving after this season, but it's going to cost more money. So never say never, you know, don't hold me to that. But indeed, if U of H does not join until the fall of 2023. And if Terrence Arsenault is good enough to leave after this freshman year, he won't be going. <laughs> he won't be going to the Big 12. So it's just when you get better, better players, the, chance, the possibilities of going pro exist. And here is the guest, the special guest joining. Big Sloan, I'm coming to you, man. I hope you're ready to talk, share some in, some insight. Marcus Sloan was joining us. What's up, brother? How you guys doing? Doing, doing great, good. man. Thank you for for uh, for joining us on Folks Talking Sports on short notice because this, you know, no, no problem. Yeah. official about two hours ago, and I reached out to you and yep. asked if you could make it. You said, "Yeah, okay." For folks who haven't seen Terrence Arsenal. Tell me about him. What, what do you think about him? Give me your thoughts on his skill set. Uh, Terrence Arsenal is an incredible basketball player from the Beaumont United High School. Extremely gifted, very athletic, 6'7", long arms, can defend multiple positions, um, can play multiple positions offensively. Um, he had or hit two of the biggest shots in state in high in Texas State basketball high school, um, you know, I guess state championship ever. Last season with Baltimore United, he had two of the biggest shots ever against Dallas Kimball. The first three descended into overtime, the second three to win it. Um, again, Kelvin Sampson, I think, got one of the top 30 players in the country. He can shoot the three. He can put the ball on the deck. He can make reads. He can play out of ball screens. He can post up. He's a defensive dynamo. He can guard one through five at the high school level. I see this being a great fit for both parties, for U of A and for Terrence Arsenal. Now you have you played pro ball overseas, so you know, you know the pro game. Do you Correct. think is it possible for Terrence Arsenal to be a one and done? Is he that talented? Um, he is that talented. I think for him to be a one and done, strength wise, I think he may have to improve a little bit. Um, he's probably at about one hundred ninety pounds. I think. Guys at his position at the NBA, maybe are 215, 210, 220. If he can get stronger and and with the system that Coach Sampson has at U of H, with the success he's had, with the guys he now has in the NBA, I think he can be an outside possibility. I think he, he can come, he's going to come in and be a difference maker, be an impact freshman, just because of, other, of his versatility. So I, I think he can have an outside shot at possibly being a one and done. I do. I, I, I do really believe that. Now, do you think, and Andy, if you have questions for Marcus, you know, chime in as well. Um, 
I just lost my train of thought. So let me get back to it. Um, well, I'm, I'm gonna make a dick at you, Marcus. You know, since you went to TCU, yeah. I'm not gonna hold that against you because you, you're on with two U of A's alums. <laughs> but uh, what do you, uh, listen, what do you now, for, for, for the record, I, I, I did want to go to U of H high school for sure. I, I remember that. I to U of H as a, as a high school junior when Clyde Drexel was there. And then he resigned, and so I had to open up my recruitment. So uh, I, I, I definitely have a, an affinity for the University of Houston, for sure. What do you think it means, in your opinion, what does it mean for UVAIDS to join the Big 12? Uh, I mean, it's an incredible opportunity. Uh, I was talking to assistant coach Kellen Sampson about it last week when the announcement came out, and he made a great point. They were already recruiting on a Big 12 level anyway, Chris with the kids they had been getting in the last three or four years with Quentin Grimes actually coming from a Big 12 school, the way that the basketball program has been recruiting and the way they are recruiting, it's on a Big 12 level anyway. For the athletic department as a whole, I think obviously it's a great move. It, it definitely helps football. It helps the women's sports. Um, it's I, I, I think it changes the game and the landscape as a whole athletically for U of H. But for the basketball program, I think – they just keep doing what they're doing. Last year they played what we call a, a national schedule. This year they they're playing a national schedule, playing Virginia, playing the Maui Invitational, and some of their non-conference games, and even the AAC conference. I mean, you got Memphis, Wichita State, SMU. These are all you know perennial top twenty-five programs. So um, the the Big Twelve will only enhance their you know, recruiting for the basketball program. Since you mentioned <clears throat> committing to U of H out of high school. Facility-wise, when you were in high school, compared to then, compared to now, describe the difference. Night and day. So you know, for me, I'm a my mom's a history buff, and like so am I. So just for me, the opportunity to play in a in an arena like Hoffman's Pavilion with so much tradition, so much history, was a draw for me actually. But nowadays, you know, with these kids want to the art facilities, and so when I was in high school, they had Hoffman's Pavilion. And the locker room was downstairs, you know, Chris, in Hawthorne's kind of in the doldrums in the basement. But now, man, the the, the Fertitta Center is state-of-the-art, top of the line. Their, their practice facility is top of the line. It's, I mean, you it, it it's already on the same level as the Big 12, if not better than some of the schools in the Big 12. So I think those facilities, you know, with the direction that they were going, it's a no-brainer. And you got anything to ask Marcus Sloan? Yeah, I was going to go back to you mentioned you kind of listed off the the kind of the strengths that Arsenal has, but I'm curious from from the perspective of Houston, what do you feel like he'll benefit the most from just being uh, under Kelvin Sampson in his program? I think him learning defensively, um, that, like what it takes to play at the next level. Obviously, Coach Sampson does a great job defensively. I think even offensively, the freedom that Coach Sampson gives his guys will help benefit Terrence in a major way. And just him being on a college campus, being around a, a college-level weight strength and conditioning program will only enhance his game. And obviously, him not being that far from home. Um, you have the, the new NIL, which comes into play with him being in Beaumont, being close and being a state champion. And just his parents still being able to touch him, I also think that play, and that will play a major factor in U of H being a, a good decision for him. Tell folks what you do now, man. That you're playing, your your, your pro uh, playing days are done. 
now I have a, I run a scouting service, a Texas-based scouting service, OTR Exposure. We also do events, tournaments, and camps. Um, I also father and a husband, but um, I'm just an advocate of, of the game, and I'm an advocate of kids using the game of basketball to better themselves and better their community. How, how much? How many games do you watch? How do, how do you acquire the you know the info on the players for your scouting service? How do you do all that? Um, just obviously some of my, with, with my own events I have during this, during this high school season and during the spring and summer ball season, watching kids and even watching kids from an early age from my fall leagues that start in September where they're in the, you know, fifth and sixth, seventh grade. So I have a database of kids from, you know, from seeing them when they were in sixth grade and seventh grade. And I saw Terrence Arsenal when he was playing for, um, Omar Sneed and Curtis Basin and, and their Beaumont based SBG team when he was in the eighth grade. And they told me back then, hey, this kid might have a chance if he keeps developing and he keeps growing. And just working with guys like Ben Perkins got him better. And even playing with local teams like the Houston Flight during last summer of the pandemic, you can see the growth in, in, in Texas' game. So I, I've probably seen Terrence Arsenal play probably 80 times in his career, honestly. Um, so just like I said, from my own events, going to other people's events, I, I see these kids a ton. Plug your website, man. Uh, my website is www.otrexposure.com. That's otrexposure.com. And we also have a big high school fall event, the fall shootout next weekend at C.E. King High School. We have about 60 teams. And, you know, some of the you know, better teams in the greater Houston area will be there. Guys like Cam Amberia, Shadow Creek, and Josiah McWright at South Falls High School. So, we're, you know, I'm, I'm definitely excited to keep it going and, Look for the next, um, you know, talent here in the Greater Houston area. Two more questions for you. Well, maybe two. Marcus, do you is is there talent left at Beaumont United that you could see a pipeline beginning from there oh, to man. U of H? This is uh, like these the the talent down in that four nine Beaumont, what we call the Golden Triangle area, is unbelievable. Um, they have a junior guard on their team on the same high school team, Beaumont United, Wesley Yates. He's a top 40 player in America. Uh, we have him ranked second in the greater Houston area. Some people have him ranked first. He's top five in the state of Texas. They also have two sophomores who started last year as freshmen, Kay Dotson and Clarence Pae, who are also top-level sophomores, both top 10 sophomores we have ranked on our website. So I, I was telling people earlier, Dallas Kimball will give them an, another formidable opponent, but Beaumont United can win back-to-back-to-back state championships, and it would not surprise me. In your opinion, my last question for you, then I'll let you go. In your opinion, what is it about U of H, the coaching staff, that they're doing to upgrade the talent? I just think it's the culture, Chris. Um, I, I think Kelvin Sampson and, and the staff, they have an identity that they have, and they have a vision that they want to execute. And I just think it's the culture. It's the development. Um, they brought guys in the U of H who were three-star guys, but, you know, the guys like Nate Hitton and guys like Armani Brooks, and they're now in the NBA. And then you take a guy like Quentin Grimes, who was a bounce back, what we call a transfer from Kansas. They develop him, get him better defensively, get him better at being comfortable being Quentin Grimes, and now he's a first-round pick. You got guys like Damian Dotson, who's also in the NBA. Um, these guys, you know, you have Tremont Mark and Marcus Sasson, who are NBA prospects. So I think for the University of Houston, it's their culture that they have is the mentality that Coach Sampson instills in the kids. And I think that we are starting to see that 
this is a powerhouse um, here in, you know, in, in the country. Marcus Sloan of OTR Exposure. Thank you for taking time to uh, join us on Folks Talk of Sports. And I'm going to hit you up for my, my own solo uh, live stream show throughout this uh, season. Okay. So stay by your phone, brother. Appreciate okay. it. Okay. Okay. Thank Take you, Chris. Care. Thank you, guys. See you, Andy. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thoughts on what Marcus Sloan said. And let me bring in, let me bring in the man who's been sitting in the studio. Get him on here. Thoughts on that? Because, James, you could hear the conversation too, right? Couldn't you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, you first. Let, let, let our guests go, sir. Let our guests go so, since I bring him in. James, what are, what are your thoughts on what you just heard? I mean, what stood out to me was just, like, him going over all the talent that Beaumont United still has, you know, going over that it's more than just one guy um, and listing out, you know, and ha- how he thinks they can win multiple state championships in a row. I think um, that speaks to, you know, the talent level. And I loved your question about, you know, developing that pipeline because especially, you know, now with the UH program on the rise under Kelvin Sampson and now being in the big 12, I can definitely see something like that happening. Um, and so it's great to hear from, you know, a guy like Marcus who, you know, does this for a living, you know, he watches these players, he, uh, and really gets to see their true talent. So I thought that was like really interesting and stood out to me. Andy. Yeah, I was going to say just that, that last question when you asked them about what what is it about UHs that they've been able to build? And of course, you know, the first word he had to say, culture. And that that's that's the word that Houston, at least for the men's basketball program, gets thrown around everywhere. I mean, what <laughs> you mentioned, I think you said that the, the student athletes kind of sound like robots or zombies because every time you ask them a question about the program, what's the number one word they're going to say? Culture. Culture, culture, the coaches, Kelvin Sampson repeats it nonstop. And, I mean, it's interesting from an outside perspective, someone that covers high school teams and has all these prospects, what's the first word that he says? Culture. So it's just a testament to the turnaround in the program that Kelvin Sampson has been able to build because it's just that. Like he mentioned, yeah, they're joining the Big 12, but Houston, from the men's basketball perspective, has been recruiting at that level the last couple of years. And like you mentioned, I think Kelvin Sampson said this, uh, when when last week, whenever they were introducing her, a part of the Big 12 uh, news conferences, that you can't just flip the switch. This is something that they've been doing for a while now. Now that they officially will be in the Big 12, it's good to finally be recognized, but it isn't, it isn't something that they started doing overnight. And it it is I- ironic that, and I guess for a lack of a better word, Marcus Sloan, an outsider to the program, you know, the scouting service, uses the word culture. <laughs> I mean, yeah. but he is one of the people I leaned on regarding high school hoops because years ago, I kind of stuck my toe in that. That's just not for me. It's, it's just mm-hmm. way too much for, for me to do a great job doing it. But he's a person, one of the people that I lean on for input. And to hear him say the word culture, just congratulations to the coaching staff for at U of H. It, it's part of us. I mean, I catch us sometimes, you know, when we talk about the program, using the word, doing interviews, yeah. or guest spots, or other places. Well, U of H has this great culture they've established. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, so it's it, it brainwashes you, man. Like yeah. it, it convinces you to do it. But I mean, even then, that, that's absolutely right. Because I'm thinking back to the podcast episode we did this past week talking about something completely different. And then the first thing I told Dayan, like, you know, this reminds me a little bit about the men's side and the culture they built. 
point. It, it's just part of uh, part of the way that they run things. And like I said, it's a testament to the program, the turnaround that they've been able to do with that program. James Mueller, you were at Rice Stadium uh, last Saturday, right, sir? Yes, I was there. Were you surprised at Houston's large margin of victory? No, I mean, I predicted them to win by double digits. I didn't think they would hold Rice to just seven points. I didn't think it would be that large, but I expected them to win by 17, I think was what I predicted. Um, and I mean, they, I mean, credit to Houston and Clayton Toon came back, had a good bounce back game. Um, defense was, was able to create turnovers. So um, I was expecting, you know, them to win um, by a decent margin, but not that dominant. I, I was surprised, Nando, get your thoughts on this as well. I was surprised because the way Rice played against Arkansas the previous week, I thought Rice would look better than they did against U of H. But I'm still not convinced, you know, U of H, I mean, okay, they beat Rice. Okay, and, and tomorrow they're going to play Grambling. Yeah, whatever. But Andy, were you surprised at their outcome, the performance of both teams, U of H and Rice? Uh, yeah, I wasn't necessarily surprised with the outcome. Similar to James, I expected UH to win and to win by double digits, although the, the, the amount of margin of victory that it was, I was shocked just by how well, how dominant the defense was. I mean, really, they, they didn't allow Rice to do much of anything. They held... The quarterback, they forced him to throw three turnovers to three interceptions. They held them to, I think it was just like 86 uh, passing yards. And really, they made them one-dimensional all night. And Rice just couldn't do anything, like James said. It was a good bounce-back game for Clayton Toon. And the rest of the offense, they showed a lot more versatility that Dana Hogerson had been touching about during training camp. But they still showed that they're far from a perfect unit just in terms of that second quarter, I think. I don't remember the correct number. I think they only had three total yards of offense in that second quarter, and I think they only ran like 10 plays for the whole period. And, and Dana Hogerson talked about, um, you know, that's something that they need to polish up. And really he put a lot of the blame uh, on the O-line, and I know that was another group that, that was a point of emphasis that we talked about. And James, I think you you brought up how Hogerson said that uh, kind of the conditioning week one was an issue for them. So it looks like they're still trying to work out some kinks, but – surprised by how dominating in ones, uh, not as surprised that they were able to win and get their first one of the season. Let's shift gears. I'm not going to spend too much time on tomorrow's game because it shouldn't be close. But yeah, Houston versus Grambling, James, it's uh, 6 p.m. kickoff? Yeah, 6. On ESPN Plus or 3? Yes, yeah, it's ESPN Plus. Okay. What do you expect? Uh, give me a Give me well first. Have you heard how ticket sales are going? I have not heard um, the exact number. I know today um, U of H just released something saying that you know anyone from Louisiana affected by Hurricane Ida uh, would be able to claim you know a free ticket. And I know it's the big seventy fifth you know anniversary celebration. So I expect. I mean, I don't expect the turnout to be huge because it's Grambling, but I expect. Probably like twenty five, thirty thousand, maybe um, would be my estimate, but I have not heard an exact number. I'm hoping. I think. Well, I don't know. I mean, because of how Louisiana is being impacted by 
Hurricane Ida and now tropical storm slash Hurricane Nicholas and rain. I'm not sure how many people from Grambling, Louisiana will be able to make it to the game. I know some alums will be there from here at TDECU Stadium. But Andy, what do you, what do you think? Give me a score. Both y'all give me a score. And then I want to get y'all's thoughts on Rocket News. Yeah, after the dominating performance they were able to do against Rice, I expect it to be a similar outcome. Honestly, it should be. Uh, Gramlin's coming off a, a really terrible performance against Southern Miss where they got shut out. And really, they if you look at the stats, it was really terrible across the board. Uh, Houston should do a similar performance. Um, I, I won't necessarily go out on them and they need to shut them out. But I'll say Houston wins. 37 to 10 uh, in that ballpark now. Um, I know Dana Hogerson on Monday probably said, uh, not probably said, he said that Clayton Toon was feeling better after he kind of got dinged up a little bit in terms of it, it kind of looked like a hamstring from mm -hmm. our perspective. But uh, James, you can correct me. I don't think UH ever mentioned specifically what was ailing him. And I know that Clayton Toon had treatment like right after the game, but I, I believe Dana Hogerson said he is good, but that might be something to watch. Yeah, James, what have you heard? Is Clayton Toon, I guess, you know, we'll say hamstring, his injury, because we're not really sure if it never was announced officially. Is he good to go for tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, everything I've heard, the latest thing that Dana said, like Andy touched on, you know, Clayton was a little dinged up. But um, as of Monday, he was, you know, feeling better, and um, he expected him to be a full go um, tomorrow against Grambling. Do, you, do either one of y'all think – Backup quarterback will get time tomorrow. I think I don't think Clayton Toon's going to play more than the first half. I think it's, they're going to be up so much that um, they're going to give Ike, you know, more chance to settle in. Um, yeah, and, and give me your prediction on the, uh, give me a score. Fifty-two-three. Yeah, Andy, thirty-seven-ten. I. Thirty-seven. That's kind of low. I, you yeah, know. I'm being I'm being generous. I'll, I'll do it because the offense has shown kind of problems. But yeah, they they got shut out against Southern Miss, and it, it wasn't outside. So I guess I am being generous to Gramlin. But um, I I'd agree with James in terms of uh, I don't know if it's like first half only, especially when you factor in the injury. But I I would expect I could bug you to get a, a good amount of snaps and good amount of minutes in tomorrow's game as well. Okay, what's I mean, okay, they're playing grambling, they're mass grambling. You have to be two and one. What are we going to take from that? The two and one start. What do you take from it, Andy? I think the biggest take, the takeaways would be on the defensive side if they're able to put together another dominating performance. Now, obviously, you kind of have to be, you look at who they're playing, but I know uh, against Texas Tech, that was the one unit that, for, for the most part, uh, were able to put together a solid performance until the very end. They kind of let go of the rope. But I think that's really the biggest thing you could take away, especially if they can put together another dominant performance. And even a little bit on the offensive, really they can finally put together a, a consistent four quarters of not having any cold stretches, like I mentioned, they had in the second quarter against Rice. Grambling is probably, probably they should be lower tier than Rice, so Houston shouldn't have problems scoring the ball and going on long drives. So that could be a takeaway, but I mean, It'll be a step up against Navy the following week when they start their conference play, but they should be favored in that game as well, too, once they kick off their conference action. Well, okay, James, what what are your let me take away from these after tomorrow's win? 
Yeah, I mean, I think Andy hit on the point with defense. Um, if they're able to, you know, put up another strong performance, you can definitely see some improvement there. Obviously, you got to take these games against Rice and Grambling with a grain of salt just because the competition's not at the same level as uh, other schools. Um, I think the big thing for me is looking how they come out in this first drive because last year, I forget, they scored 30 first quarter total points. I don't, I think they might have had one first first like opening drive of the game where they scored a touchdown this year they're two for two um i'm looking to see you know are they able to continue that fast start because these fast starts will be important coming into conference play when they're playing a little bit of higher level competition um so that's like one of the big things i'm looking for and then along with just i mean alton really broke out alton mccaskill the freshman mm-hmm. running back against rice and I've heard great things about him from, you know, team, some of his teammates and stuff. They've really been hyping him up and being like, this kid can be special. So I'm just looking to see, you know, is he able to put up another consistent performance, even though it is against, you know, a grambling team that we don't expect much from. Is he able to, you know, uh, put together back-to-back strong weeks um, and really establish himself as, you know, a focal point of the offense? And Andy, you, you mentioned that the next opponent, Navy. Isn't Navy struggling too? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They- yeah, that's why I mentioned they've really been able to, they've really struggled. And I think, I mean, they got absolutely pummeled in their week one game against Marshall and they only put up a field goal against Air Force. And I mean, I know they're kind of unique with their triple run option offense that UH was able to really shut down well last season. And this time they'll be playing at TDCU. So I'll add this to the, even though it is Grambling. If Houston wins tomorrow, it'll be the first time they win back-to-back games under Dana Holgerson since he's been here in 2019. They haven't won back-to-back games, uh, whether it was his first year or last year. So they might have a chance to go on a, a long win- winning streak, um, not to get too far ahead, but that's something that Houston's playing for tomorrow to get Dana Holgerson his first back-to-back winning streak. That that says it all right there. They're, they're 8 and 14 under Dana. B. Grambling will be 9-14, first two-game winning streak. They should beat a struggling Navy team, so that's three in a row. We'll hold off on the Tulsa game because that's going to be a little bit different. <laughs> so, but, but even then, they struggled too. So, but I think their U of A's football is in line to go 3-1 and one like we predicted. They go 3-1, and one, so, you know, okay. I'm still not going to be that impressed. But anyway, Rockets. Get UT young men's thoughts on the news announced earlier this week about the Rockets and John Wall agreeing to sit John Wall, but pay John Wall to sit. Thoughts on that, James? I mean, it's a sort of similar situation. I'm a OKC Thunder fan, and so last year they sort of did the same thing with Al Horford. Although Al Horford did start, um, you know, at the beginning of the season, got actual minutes. Um, but then they sat and just had him, you know, as a veteran presence, but then agreed to, you know, work out a situation where he can go to a team, a contending team, and, you know, because they want to develop those young guys. So I see this as a similar situation. Um, you know, I think John Wall will be on the roster come, you know, the start of the season just because his contract's going to make it hard to trade. That's the biggest thing. Um, but so I think, um, you know, I mean, it's going to take some time to really find a deal where they can ship him somewhere um, in – not have to take on a bunch of bad contracts in return. But I do think um, his presence can, you know, be beneficial for some of the young guards, you know, just having a guy who's been in the league, who's had success, um, 
just in your ear um, and just walking by you as the season progresses, I think that can be a big benefit. Um, and I don't know how long John Wall will continue to be on the Rockets, you know, before they eventually ship him out somewhere. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just, I, I like the move on the Rockets part just to develop, you know, your young guards and um, give them as much playing time and experience as they can get. Andy, what are your thoughts on the, the agreement to part? Yeah, I agree with all the points that James hit on, and especially when it comes to being able to do it in a mutual kind of agreement where it's not a – you look at kind of the, what James Harden did last season where it's kind of a, trying to force his way out. It's been a – it's kind of both sides acknowledge that they're at different points. Uh, Houston trying, like James said, trying to get a lot more experience with their young guys and build them up and kind of go that way while John Wall kind of, you know – starting to enter the tail, tail end of um, prime at, his prime after the injuries that he's had and just um, probably in a stage of his career where he's looking for uh, being on a contending team and trying to be able to compete for a championship. So I think that's beneficial now. Like James said, it'll be interesting to see how long John Wall's still on the roster and just not playing because I'm not entirely sure what his market is right now. I don't believe he has one especially if he sits, because if he doesn't play, what is he showing teams who may have interest in him? They need to see if he's healthy. Um, Kelly Eco with The Athletic had an article posted today about Eric Gordon, but in within the article, it mentions a John Wall Okay. Well, if he's getting treatment on his knee, he's not 100%. So if I'm a team, I take that into consideration, plus the huge contract. So far, a lot of folks around the league believe John Wall is going to be a Rocket almost the entire season because unless the Rocket change their tune, what they're looking for in a trade or John Wall agrees to a buyout, what team wants to give up assets for John Wall this season. Next season is last year with contract. Then folks will be like, well, we can get him and this contract will come off the books. That's different. This year, <laughs> teams may just wait on the rocket to say, okay, well, you do what you want to do. I'm just going to wait and see how it all plays out. Yeah, for sure. I could totally see. Uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting to kind of, it's such a weird time in Houston sports when you look at uh not to get ahead or switch to a different team, but, I mean, look what the Texans are doing with uh, Deshaun Watson and obviously a much, much different circumstance. But it'll be weird if John Wall stays on the roster the entire season and doesn't play a single minute. Uh, I'd be interested to see if he'd kind of get antsy if, if, say, you get to the trade deadline and there's not really a market for him and he's like, you know what, uh, I kind of want to play again. And obviously I feel like the Rockets would be at a – Especially if he gets that far ahead, they'll be at a spot where, you know, yeah, hey, we've had most of the season playing with Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr., and barring any injuries, I'm sure Houston wouldn't want to have them have to take a, a step back or have to share the load. So, but the one thing about the NBA, it's especially the past few seasons, really, I, I, I wouldn't call any type of contract unmovable. And, Eventually, there'll be will be one team out there, whether it's they have an injury or they feel like they one piece away that'll probably end up doing an offer. But I agree with what you said, where the Rockets will probably have to end up kind of 
adjusting what they what they end up getting back in the trade or or they have to give him maybe they have to send away uh one of their own first round picks or something like that in exchange to get him off the roster and james as an okc fan could you see john wall going to okc for i don't know let's say a a, a bag of brocks <laughs> but rockets and well okc agreeing to waive John Wall, and then John Wall goes to a contending team after that way. Would OKC take on a contract for something in return? Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me with Sam Presti, um, just what he's done. Um, I mean, they did that with Kimba, basically, um, over the offseason. I don't know if he'd be willing to do, like, a big, a big move like that twice in, you know, one season, but it wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised because, you know, Presti has – Shown he's willing to do a lot of different things during his time um, uh, with the Thunder. And I see he's, I guess, overcome his technical difficulties. So we're going to bring in the third member of the major part of the show, Full Talk of Sports, Willie Gibson. Ooh, I, I love Will. We got to talk about gotta, uh, what happened Saturday, brother. Football. Oh, we yeah, you don't. Talk. I don't think you want to do that, but okay, we can do it. We can uh, do it. Yeah, no, I mean, because, you know, Oregon. Oregon got paid to go to Columbus, Ohio, didn't it, Will? No, no. I, you sure? Because I mean, I didn't know if it was accurate, but I thought I saw Oregon got some money to go to Ohio. No, no, wait, no, no that's not a money game. That's not a guarantee game. That's because, a, because of it, what last season's game got canceled because of COVID. Yeah, and to get him to, to Ohio State, someone wrote that Ohio State paid Oregon some money to come up there, and it turns out smack them around, Will. Smack them around, really? 35-28? Well, I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. I'll say, I'll say this. I'll say this. It, it happens a few times a decade. You know, Ohio State loses a regular season game. You know, two, maybe three times a decade. But, you know, got it out the system now. We're on the Tulsa. We're on the Tulsa. They, they, they uh, Oregon snapped Ohio State's, what was it, 23-game home winning streak, something like that, 20-something. Yeah. 23 in a row. Yep. Were you surprised at Ohio State's struggles on defense? No. No. We've, I've talked about this since day one. Um, and, I, and it's funny. I, I was thinking pre, pre-game, uh, prior to the show, how last week um, I think James and, and Andy mentioned the, the, the standard at Houston was 10-2. And, and here at Ohio State, you lose one game and the defensive coordinator is looking for a job. Uh, behind the scenes right now. It's all but a done deal. But, no, the defense has been the problem since day one. Um, Kerry Coombs is a great guy, phenomenal guy, um, phenomenal secondary coach, less than standard defensive coordinator. It's, it's just – it is what it is. And um, Ryan Day, it, it, it kind of reared his head up a little bit last year. But due to COVID, truncated season, I think Ryan Day gave him a shot to come back, and it's clear after the first two games, it's just not there. Okay, and thanks for Marty Marty joining us. For folks tuning in right now, uh, you missed out on the big news locally. Terrence Arsenault committing to U of H to men's basketball, a top 30, top 40 player in the country committing to the Cougs. Um, reportedly, the top recruit to you, Vates, since 2012. Um, the athletic reporting is accurate on that. 
had guest Marcus Sloan giving his thoughts on what Arsenal's decision to the Cougs means and talked about um, his work and what he's doing for recruiting, a scouting service, what UVA's basketball is doing. Big Will, Andy, mm. James, and I have talked about it. I want to get your thoughts, your thoughts on John Wall and the Rockets, man. What what are they doing? And I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna be give you the screen, man. You got the whole screen to yourself, man. Wow, I'm a, wow. Um, what are they doing? Um, looking for a landing spot for John Wall. I mean, I, I, I I'm done saying that no contract is, is untradeable or a contract can't be traded after four years in a row. Russ's $40 million plus contract has been traded. We saw James Harden's $40 million plus contract be traded. Um, and not just for cap, cap filler or a, a buyout option, as I heard um, OKC mentioned early on. Um, where he goes, I don't know. Um, the Clippers, I've heard. Um, <laughs> a three-team trade between the Rockets, Cleveland, and Philadelphia it allows Cleveland to free up a little Kevin Love, get that $60 million off of their cap. Um, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. I, I don't foresee uh, knowing and hearing what you said about Tim Fertitta, him just sitting out and collecting that $41.7 million or $40 million plus. I'm not sure of the exact uh, figure for next season. But it'll be interesting to see where where he goes, and more importantly, what the what the uh, Rockets uh, get in return. And I'm going to bring it back to the foursome. <clears throat> I'm learning how to do this production work with cameras, fellas. So yeah. watch out going forward. We're going to be doing big things throughout this season. Absolutely. Will, yes, sir. If I'm an NBA team, not the Rockets, why make a trade? Why why give the Rockets anything in return if I know if I believe that John Wall is it's inevitable that he's gonna it's gonna be a buyout. I think it's inevitable. If they what what team wants to trade for him because of that contract? Forty three and change million this year and forty seven point four next year. Who wants that? You know what? I would conventional wisdom would probably say no one, but there's always one. I mean, we know. I mean, general managers, front offices are arrogant. They, there's always somebody that's going to say, "Hey, we can, we can, we can." Uh, for lack of a better term, uh, reclamation project. We can, we can get John Wall back on track, and you know, it, uh, somebody else with a bad contract. Like I said, Cleveland, Kevin Love's bad contract. You know, bad contract for bad contract. You free up. You know, maybe they they. Get someone else as a third team that will give them pieces that they feel John Wall is a, is a fit for them, like Philadelphia. You know, get Ben Simmons out of there and, and you bring in John Wall. I, I don't know, but it, is, it only takes one. It's 29 other teams in the league, so it only takes, you know, it takes one. That's true. That is that is the adage, and it has been proven the case time and time again. But what – let me shift gears. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's gonna be a while. John Wall's gonna be here a while. But teams will change. Teams may, may get desperate. The guards may get injured. They just, you know, whatever. They they believe, like you touched on it, a change of scenery might be best for John Wall. And we can make him 
he can maximize his, his abilities with us. That could happen. But let's shift gears to Eric Gordon and Danwell House. How about trading both of them? I think that's more fe feasible than John Wall. What do you say, James? I definitely agree. Um, Eric Gordon, I mean, his big problem has been injuries. But if he's healthy, um, I know he's struggled shooting the past few years. You know, his three-point uh, percentage hasn't been up to, you know, his standards. But he's a solid defender. He can, you know, do things with the ball. Um, he can run an offense if needed. Um, I think the big question with him is health. But I think there would be teams willing to take a chance on him. And then House, um, I mean, he's he's super athletic. He can do a little, a little bit of everything. And I think um, other, I mean, I can see both Gordon and House uh, getting shipped off um, a lot easier than Wall. Well, what do, you, what do you think? Could it be a package deal for uh, Eric Gordon and House going somewhere to get something in return? I, I think so. Um, honestly, I'm surprised Daniel House came back last season after his uh, – Transgressions in the bubble, if you <laughs> yeah. will. If you will. Um, so, yeah, um, I definitely think, you know, that's a, a tradable asset. I heard uh, we talked about it here pre-draft. Um, Eric Gordon possibly back home to Indiana um, as a as a, a trade opportunity for the Rockets. So, uh, you know, I think and maybe I'm wrong unless you guys can help me and in, in, probably know, you know the situation better than I, is Eric Gordon in a situation where he has to play himself into a trade because of the injuries that people need to see that he's consistently healthy before they trade for him? In my opinion, probably so, because he missed most of this past season. And as James touched on, he does have a history of injuries. So it would help everybody involved for him to get some run in preseason and probably the first, mm, let's say, 15, 20 games in regular season to show team that he's healthy. Because I think he has, I think, three years total left on his contract. And House, this is the last year of his deal. So mm -hmm. his three million and chains come off the cap and a team would be good with that, taking him in a deal. But could you see a possibility, James, of Eric Gordon staying here through this season at least to provide veteran leadership because really who's the leader who the who the vets now we got Eric Gordon House and DJ Augustine is that enough to guide the these youngsters down that you know proper path yeah I mean for sure I can see them you know sticking with Gordon for another year like you hit on he has three years about 60 million owed um so it, it, he might be more tradable, you know, a year later if he can prove, you know, to be healthy and then teams have less, you know, they're only stuck with him for two years rather than, you know, a full three. And I think the Rockets definitely do need, you know, some veteran. You can't just throw a bunch of young guys together um, and you need that, you know, veteran leadership. So I think he is a candidate for that. Um, but I don't think, like, they'll keep him around if the right deal comes along. I think they are they would be willing to part ways with him. But um like like you said, I, I agree that um, he, he, he's got to prove himself earlier in the season and then we'll go from there. And going to bring Andy 
Giannis back in. For the folks tuning in, watching us on YouTube, this is for everybody. What are your thoughts on, I think, Sham Sharania uh, Wednesday, I think? No, I, no, it was Tuesday because it was right after I did my live show solo with the guests, with the YouTube family, give me comments and, and questions. I got a question during the show about Dante Exum. I said, he's done. Well, Shams put out <laughs> after like 30 minutes after the show that the Rockets were working out, uh, getting close to an agreement to bring Dante Exum back. Thoughts on that? I think right off the top, that'd be 21 people in camp, training camp. The max is 20. So if the Rockets do reach an agreement with Dante Exum, somebody got to go on a trade. So it could be House. It could be somebody, you know, maybe DJ Augustine. I don't know. But to bring him in, if Sam's reports are correct, bringing back Dante Exum could be another backup point guard. But thoughts on that, Andy? Uh, yeah, I'd have to agree in terms of it. it maybe it's a preceding move to a bigger trade or something like that. When you look at it on the surface, and there isn't another move that's made, it's a bit of a head scratcher if nothing else comes of it just in terms of already especially at that guard position when you look at uh, the amount of players that they have not only on the roster but even on the exhibit 10 deals and all around it, it would be weird to say the least that they just bring them back and stay put james thoughts yeah. on dante exum i think the one like benefit is you know he's a younger guy he's 26 i think um and so, you know, you could be hoping to, you know, revive someone who has, you know, struggled to really translate his game to the NBA. And I know during the Olympics, you know, he was catching some people's eyes for his play with Australia. But I I don't see the move making 100% sense at all um, just because, like you said, it creates more problems with the roster. You're over the limit. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't I wouldn't I don't see the move happening. But, um, yeah. You know, it's strange. I think if he's healthy, he could be, I'm not even sure. I guess he could be a talent upgrade at, at the point. He's 6'5". He's a bigger point guard. Um, you know, he's, well, excuse me, taller point guard. DJ Augustine is a shorter point guard. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not sure where he'd fit in. I just... Personally, I think it's another example of Armani Brooks being stuck, being a limited roster spot for him on this team. I just think Armani needs to go somewhere else, a better spot for him. But what are your thoughts on that? What do you think Armani should do? I mean, I can start. Um, I forget when um, – it was when Kelvin Sampson talked to the media after uh, – the draft with Dejon and Quentin, he mentioned, you know, how he wants what's Armani to be in the best situation possible. And he didn't say it, you know, outright, but he sort of hinted, you know, while, you know, we love having him in Houston because he, he played at U of H and stuff, you know, we want him to go to a situation where he's going to get to actually play. And I agree that I don't see a ton of that fitting in with the Rockets just because of all the other younger guys they have on the team and just, I don't see him, you know, having the role uh, he envisions and he feels like he deserves um, in Houston. 
Andy, what are your thoughts on what Armani should do? Uh, yeah, I think we kind of touched on it a little bit uh, a show or two ago. Might have been a couple of shows back whenever we, we honestly, when you look at the kind of going back to the Dante Exum thing, just in terms of how stacked they are, the Rockets roster is at that guard position it, and it being another ex, Exhibit 10 deal. Um, I feel like, and, and Chris, I think you, you agree with this, it's going to be an uphill battle just to to be uh, at, on the roster at once the regular season starts, just in terms of how much traffic there is in terms top to bottom on, on the roster. And yeah, like James said, it's kind of a uh, puzzling might not be the right word, but maybe he chose to sign that exhibit 10 with the Rockets. If that's the case, maybe it's, there's not necessarily a larger market, which I'd be surprised at what he was able to show this past season he obviously the main thing he was known for is sharpshooting ability but like we kind of mentioned that he's what he really needs to round up is kind of build a little more physically and be a much more consistent defender and he was able to show that not only is he a good shooter but he occasionally can do a little bit more in terms of driving and creating his own shot but i don't know i'm i'm curious to see why he did choose to to re-sign with the rocket I am too, and, and you know, an exhibit ten deal—that's that's, I guess, in a sense, lower on the level than a two-way contract. So, I I wish him the best of luck. You know, I mean, he could go back to the G League, part of the exhibit ten parameters. If you're there, a certain amount of time, you do receive fifty grand. You know. Part of the exhibit 10 you know contract but <clears throat> i just uh i, I just we got a question and this is for everybody i hope y'all are ready for this and i'm gonna bring this one up because i think we can comment on this one all, each of us what's your opinion of operating shangun <clears throat> i'll go first and i would like all all three y'all to chime in as well i love him i love his game you got an old man game I'm an old man. I like his his low post ability. I like his passing skills. He's more athletic than we were led to believe. Uh, defense needs work, but what young person comes to the league's defense doesn't need work. But I think he has a bright future with the Rockets and a bright future in the NBA. James, you next. Yeah, I'm on. I'm I'm with you there. I love the fit in Houston. Um, he was the Turkish league MVP. He clearly had success overseas. Um, and in the preseason games, like you said, the biggest thing that stood out was his athleticism. He, he, you know, sort of caught people off guard with that. Um, and he was able to be productive. And I think, uh, I mean, I know I see a lot of people, you know, joking around on Twitter, like Photoshopping him in on the lead, you know, the legends of the Rockets bigs and stuff. But I think he can be a really uh, good piece for those Rockets team as he continues to mature and develop. And real quick before I get Will and Andy's thoughts, look at that. Look at the comment. Love from Turkey. Wow. We're, we're getting <laughs> love from Turkey. See? We, we say it all the time. We're a uh, global perspective. That's right. Houston Round Bar View, local name, global perspective. Appreciate the love from Turkey. Keep keep tuning in because more content and shows are coming, especially as NBA season ramps up. Will, yeah. what are your thoughts on, on young fella Alperin Shingun? Yeah, well, what I saw um, of him in summer league, I mean, he's he has it, you know, the proverbial it 
And um, the fit, I think, for this young team in, in Houston, um, the sky's the limit. For me, as he said, you know, the defense, that's going to come. What young player doesn't come in that has defensive challenges? But his, his game, his shot that I saw, I think I saw the game against Detroit. And uh, I, I like this game a lot. So I think what he's going to do is continue to grow uh, with, Coach, with uh, Coach Silas and the staff. But I definitely, I definitely think the future is bright. Andy? Yeah, I agree. You guys, uh, honestly, have all hit it perfectly in terms of for the summer league. He got to see a lot of the raw talent that he has. He certainly showed a lot of potential and honestly what he could be. He made a, a very great debut in that first summer league game. Both he and Jalen Green did. And then when you look at the roster, obviously, uh, he's not necessarily a player where him and Christian Wood, it might be a conflict of having them play together. I think he's kind of a, a compliment to Christian Wood in terms of the style that both of them play. And then you look at, honestly, Daniel Tice is the only other big, along with Christian Wood, on the roster. So he certainly has a very good, you mentioned about how the guards and the, and the wings, they're kind of proud of group for the Rockets, but he's in that perfect category where he's not necessarily going to be in a crowded field and he'll have a lot of opportunity to develop, whether early on in the season, if it might be that they have to send him down to the G League, or I'd imagine once the season continues, especially what we saw last year where if Christian Wood gets banged up or even Daniel Tice has injuries, you'll certainly get a lot of playing time throughout the season at the NBA level. Yeah, of the two rookie bigs, um, Alpi Shingun, Alpi, that's what, or Rafael Stone calls my guess it's Alpi, a nickname. Him and Usman Garuba, I think Garuba will spend more time in the G League than Shingun will mm -hmm. because I think Shingun's overall game is further along than Garuba's game. Garuba's defense as a youngster, he loves playing defense, and he's very, very good at it right now. But his offensive game needs a whole lot of work. So, but I think the Rockets' young bigs go along with C. Wood, Daniel Tice will get playing time this season. Consistently, consistent time, probably the second half of the season. But I'm just I'm good with his potential, and I think Shingun he's smart. He's got a high basketball IQ, and I think that helps him will help him learn the defense quickly. And I'm just curious with Barbara Turner, I guess being on staff officially as coach slash translator, will she go to G League with if Shingun goes down to G League? <laughs> you know, with that. Because I think Shingu knows some English, but I think the more English he learns, that'll help his um, adjustment to the NBA even quicker. Marty Moore, I see you from Acres Homes, man. I grew up over there, so props to you. <laughs> like I said, Houston Ron Barbie, global, man, global and local. It's all good. But uh, this is good. And for folks tuning in, uh, Tamer Knight, she was to join us but she had a prior commitment that she had to had to uh, take care of so she will join us next friday i guess we're good for next friday again guys okay yeah well we, we talked about uvays versus grambling that should be a route tomorrow who does oregon play next excuse me ohio state i'm sorry who is ohio sorry, state I, play next yeah oh ohio state plays tulsa tomorrow ohio state plays tulsa at 3 30 2 30 central so tulsa from the american athletic conference Hmm. What's the spread on that, Will? Good question. I don't, let's see. 
I haven't looked. Spreads, I don't really look, but let's see. For 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 these shows, I think we need to get into that. Just right, reach see. out to getting spreads because we may get some more responses from betters, folks who like that, you know, angle of sports. CBS Sports has it at 24 and a half. 24 and a half. Yep, 24 and a half is what I see. I could see Ohio State winning by 28. <laughs> I could see Ohio State winning by 48 after last yeah. week. Especially after with last Tulsa. Week. Yeah. Tulsa struggled too. Well, Against who? They played Oklahoma kind of well. well Tulsa, Tulsa almost beat Minnesota 26 Minnesota. Okay. Yeah. But they lost, they, they lost to UC Davis week one, which was like. That's it. I'm thinking of uh, Tulane, I think. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, yeah, okay. So scratch that 28. Yeah, I think, Will, you, you <laughs> 48, 49, 50, you might be on the point then. So, yeah. Yeah, especially after last week. Yep. And of course, it's going to be in Columbus. So, yeah, they got revenge on their minds. Uh, we are, let's see, 11 days or so from the start of NBA training camp. Start on September 28th. And two weeks from today will be the first day, I believe, of practice for UH men's basketball. So we'll talk about that in the coming weeks. Um, we're going to wrap it up. Folks who are tuning in, yes, I, I got. I will be attending the Big 12 Basketball Media Days next month. Men's and women's got approved for that Wednesday, roughly about five minutes after I uh submitted my application so good for that getting ready for the future when you've age joins the big 12 so grateful for that opportunity we're going to wrap it up james how can folks find you on the internet yeah uh, you can find me on twitter at jdm2186 and then all my work is on the dailycougar.com andy how can folks find you yeah, they can follow me on Twitter at Aonis underscore five. Uh, for UH Athletics, uh, ApolloHOU.com slash Cougars. For Community Impact, uh, if anyone's living in the Pearland Friendswood area and want to know more stuff about you know, your guys' community, that's uh, Community Impact Newspaper.com slash Andy Aonis. Uh, trying to get verified on Twitter, by the way, they, they denied me again because my Twitter account isn't li- linked to my Community Impact page, which tick me off a little bit but um that's neither here nor there uh and uh, podcast day on dunlap and i recently had our preview episode talking about uh grambling and also we talked about the impact that the big 12 move will have on football recruiting specifically because that's something that like i mentioned Doug Doug and a couple of players touched on during their availability this week so that came out today and then of course tomorrow we'll have our coverage for uh grambling and yeah that's Pretty much it. Will, whenever I toss it over to you, I'm, I'm curious, what are your predictions for uh, Houston, the Texans, and the Browns? A lot to know. <laughs> yeah, I think the Browns, again, coming off that, that game in Kansas City, week one, um, should have won that game. Uh, still learning how to close. Um, Odell Beckham is out again for week two against the Texans. Um some people kind of viewed it as a disrespect, a slight to the Texans that they announced on Wednesday that Odell wasn't playing versus against Kansas City. You found out 90 minutes before the game. So they kind of little gamesmanship there with Andy Reid. But with Houston, it's kind of like, so what? Tell them Wednesday. Um, I don't believe that, but that's kind of the, the word on on uh, these Cleveland 
the Cleveland streets is that they kind of have little regard for the Texans and expect to come in and for them to come here and, and leave with a, a massive L. But um, uh, Tyron Taylor, I mean, he was in Cleveland uh, rookie uh, Baker's rookie year and was a phenomenal asset, you know, played the first four games. I think Baker took over uh, week five and, um, you know, I don't, I wouldn't count him out. There's seven former Browns on the Houston Texans roster. So people think that those guys are coming in with revenge on their minds. But all that being said, I think the Browns win. Uh, I think that's a 12 and a half point uh, point spread. And I think they win by more than that. And how, how can folks find you on the uh, World Wide Web? Appreciate that. Uh, Will Gibson 7 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, WTGsports.com as well. And uh, Facebook, Will Knows uh, podcast page. And just... Before we wrap it up, I think in our future shows, when I go to every, you know, my guests, well, you guys, the panel to close out, I'm gonna give y'all a solo screen. So y'all get the time to shine solo as you tell people how to find you. So I'm Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review. A reminder, thank you for tuning in to Folks Talking Sports, but reminder, 9 a.m. Saturday morning, Central Time, 10 Eastern. I will do a live stream show solo, kind of. So YouTube fan, family, tune in. But I'm going to have a guest, Jim Hicks from RCS Sports. Cheat Cheat is his nickname. He is, my goodness, godfather, if not the man. It doesn't take long to call the role of folks who know the ins and outs of high school basketball in greater Houston area. He'll be tuning in, joining me, agreed to join me. He's a, he's a somewhere uh, on a plane right now. He's going to join me tomorrow. Going to go live, 9 a.m. Central Time on YouTube. So tune in for that. I'm Chris Gardner, Houston Round Bar Review. Been around since 1994. HoustonRoundBarReview.com. Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram. You see scrolling across the screen there, VHR Review on Twitter. As we close it out, same Chris. time next week. Go ahead. What, 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 Andy, what you got? Yeah, one, one more thing before we close out. Actually, can we can we put the screen on me? I, I know you're, you're learning how to how to you gonna go solo. Right. You want to go yeah, solo? Because I have a bold prediction. Will, you said that the Browns will win by more than the 12 and a half. I have. I wish we had. We needed some more productions. I guarantee the Texans will cover the spread. They'll cover the spread. That's that's all I'm saying. Uh, I, I I won't pick them out right. I can't I can't go that bold, but I I think it'll be a close a closer game than expected. Um, obviously Houston coming off a win against Jacksonville, which everyone's gonna say we talked about UH and Rice and it's Rice, but I mean Houston was Jacksonville was favored in that game, and they were favored by three and a half points, and that game was in Houston. It was complete domination. Now I I don't expect Houston to have any of the flashy stuff like he had Brandon Cooks making Randy Moss type of catches against the Jaguars obviously against the Browns that, that probably won't be the case but I, I think it'll be a much closer game than than 12 and a half I'll go I'll, I'll leave it that Will Will fair enough hey no, no smack talk be back come on Will Oh, and the screen oh, freeze. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, he, oh. Hey, it's a sign of things to come. You know what? <laughs> Guarantee. <clears throat> Texans cover the screen. Yeah, I got to figure out and see if I get a, um, 
an audio video file guarantee something like that pop up yeah. so That'd be perfect. look work on that if you find one send it to me and i'll try to i'll add it and we can just pull it up so i'm, I'm learning how to do all these things on the you. streaming so so yeah i can do that I, I can do that i'll get it to you man just i mean you know i feel even more confident now we will freeze and i might go pick the texans out right all right now okay he said it james he said that okay but this is fun we're having fun here on folks talking sports thank you to, for, to you guys for joining us thank you to people who gave us the comments see you uh, friday next friday at um, 8 p.m eastern once again james that includes you man you're part of the family you know join us as the usual time who knows what'll happen next week may get some big news on w women's basketball committing to uvh who knows i don't know but whatever we'll talk about uvh football grambling then uvh navy um i'll pull them up so we can i can close out with him <clears throat> he's, he's back so so will, will. you got any snack talk and he says it's gonna be a win now Texas is gonna win the game no, i said that freeze i said that freeze right there it's a sign of things to come the browns they better not choke it now stop it <laughs> stop it I, i'm 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 andy i love you to life i do i really do <laughs> however however okay we'll yeah. we'll see is, yeah. is it a noon kickoff it is it's noon central yeah okay all right home so, opener okay. for the browns first time with fans in the building and they're gonna lose to houston no i don't think so okay but or 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 not cover nah 14 easy Oh, oh, okay. We'll see. We'll and, on, see. and on that note, thank you everyone for tuning in to the Houston Round Bar Review presents Folks Talking Sports. We'll see you next Friday. Everybody take care.